You're tuned in to the 49th Hour Podcast. 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 What's up, guys? It's Zach. Um, joined with uh, Jordan and Tommy, and we got Javi here. How you doing, man? Oh, what's up, guys? Just uh, you know, enjoying this uh, five and nine season. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a shit show all year. So you went to the Dallas game last year, didn't you, Javi? Um, no, I went to the Atlanta game with the Forty Nine. Yeah, in Atlanta. But I th- I've been I to Jerry World. Okay. Yeah. I thought you no, went to a Dallas. I thought you went to a Dallas and Niners game before. Though. Oh, last night or a couple years ago? No, I went a couple years ago or so. Yeah, yeah. No, I went. I went to the um, 2014 game. Kaepernick. Uh, this the year they went eight and eight um, with the uh, first touchdown. I think it was Chris Culliver with the fumble recovery touchdown. Then you had um, Patrick Wilson the interception in the end zone. Frank Gore had himself a good day. Carlos Hyde played pretty well that day. I was really really drunk. Um, almost got into a fight, so yeah, yeah. I've been to Jerry World and to see the Niners. Yeah, that was a really fun game. It really was. I I loved it. I mean, I saw Des Bryant get killed in the back. So <laughs> it's always a fun time. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on yesterday's game? Uh, they are they are as expected. I mean, I thought the Niners could win the game. Um, but when you have Nick Mullins as your quarterback, these are the chances that you're going to take, and you take them. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta capitalize on the stuff he's doing well um, early on, and he did some things well. But he he ends up he, he showed up at the most inopportune times toward the end of the game. Um, he had three three turnovers by Nick Mullins himself. He had a fumble by Richie James. That's going to cost you. You cannot turn the ball over for nothing. Uh, last year's team could do that. Why? Because they had the defensive players to make a stop. They had the defensive players to force a fumble from our defensive ends. Um, and, of course, the defensive tackles. I mean, how many fumbles did Bosa, Ford, Armstead, and, and Buckner cause? You know, how many times did you get Fred Warner running free for a blitz and punch a ball out? They they just don't They don't have that right now. And this is, this is what you're going to get. You have a team that's completely banged up. They hung, they hung in there. You know, it was 24 to 24 at one point. Turnovers cost you the game, and you can't have that. And at this point, it is what it is with this team. Bad teams make bad mistakes, and that's what they are right now. They're a bad team. Do you think this was the last opportunity to win this season? Yeah, I think I, I think we're staring at five and eleven in, in this space. There's I don't think there's any way we beat the Arizona Cardinals or the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, the Niners when we the Niners can't even go back to Levi's, so they're playing a home game in a road stadium, like this got to mess with you a little bit. Um, you know, guys are tired. I, I kind of feel bad for this team. This just, they've been dealt with so much, all the injuries, COVID and being, you know, displaced have been, you know, what's the word evicted out of their own stadium. It's just, you know, it's, it's not good. It's just not a good situation. It's, it's shitty for the team right now. So um, you can't be mad at them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a reasonable fan 
I'm learning to be more reasonable now that I learned to kind of cover the team. I'm less fanatical about it, um, more measured about my analysis and approach on the team. Like I can't, I'm not going to sit here and yell at Nick Mullins and says he say he sucks. No, I just have, I have, I have realistic expectations for an undrafted free agent quarterback. I have realistic expectations for a carry Hyder for Deion Jordan, you know, guys that are not normally starters being forced into a starting role. Colton McKivitz is another one. He's a rookie fifth round pick. What are your expectations? You got to measure your expectations. Justin school, six round tackle playing guard. Like you got to just measure your expectations. And for this offense to be as functional as it is, it's more of a testament to Kyle Shanahan, to be quite honest. Um, you know, for those folks who are out there, Oh, it's Kyle's fault. Hey, Kyle doesn't control injuries. Kyle doesn't control a guy getting rolled up on having his ACL tear or Jeff Wilson running into the end zone and getting rolled on and, and having an ankle sprain. It just, it's just a bad season. It's a lost season. It's a gap year. And this team, when healthy, should dominate the NFC next season. Now, it just depends on who the quarterback is. <laughs> yeah, I know you've been very vocal on Twitter for the past, I don't know, two months maybe. About, about <laughs> Since the August. Since August. So, yeah, a lot longer than that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, you've been very vocal about it. And I know lately you've been you, – Pretty much started the Zach Wilson hype train. I'm a trendsetter, like the kids say. Uh, I think they call that an influencer. Is that the word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I have I have my likes about draft draft picks. Zach Wilson has been one. I like Trey Lance. I even like Mac Jones. You know, it just I, I look at quarterbacks and, and players in the draft based on where the Niners are going to select. So if the Niners are selecting in the top ten, I'm going to look at top 10 picks and see who's there and what the team needs. Then I go in the second round and see where these guys are certain kind of guys are kind of in that range of draft picks. So, you know, if the Niners are picking 10, they're probably picking 46 or whatever uh, in the second round. So <clears throat> I look at guys from 42 to 52, you know, and kind of narrow it down and see where they fit. And that's just kind of how I scout. I'm not going to go dig through 2,500, 2,500 players and, Oh, this guy's good. This guy's good. No, I'm trying to find, a certain player within a range and then break down some film and see how they fit. Um, that's kind of why I fell in love with Brandon. Ayuk. I was like, wait a second, this guy can be an early second round, late first round pick. And boom, there he was. And, it, and he fit. And I thought he was, I thought he was the best option at 13. I didn't expect us to take a wide receiver at all. I thought it was going to be left tackle or defensive tackle. And it was Kinlaw. So that's just the way I scout. I don't know how the people do it, but I, I just think, you're wasting your time scouting a whole bunch of guys, especially if you're not doing it for, you know, for the entire league. I'm just supposed to specifically looking at the 49ers. Do you see the 49ers trading up at all to grab a QB, for instance, or like one of the top guys? Um, I don't know. It just depends on <clears throat> it depends on where we land and it depends on how everything closes out the last two games. Um, do I see the Niners in the top 10? Yeah, probably. Um, but if they're outside that outside of the top 10, and if they're looking at a quarterback, would you send that first round pick for Matthew Stafford? If it's if it's let's just say it's pick twelve through sixteen for the Niners, I'm absolutely sending that pick to Detroit for Matthew Stafford if he is available. If he's not available and you can you think you can get a guy, <clears throat> then yeah, absolutely. I think this I think this front office is more than aggressive, um, more than aggressive enough to go get a guy that they like. We've seen them do that before. They will move up if they need to. Mm -hmm. Um Obviously, we saw that with Ruben Foster. They got back in to round one. We all know how what happened there. I mean, they were right on the player, 
just not the person off the field. Um, <clears throat> and then they did it with Brandon Ayuk, they did it with Dante Pettis. They've done it with a couple other players on the team. So, I, I mean, if they want a guy, they'll be aggressive enough to get him. And remember, this is Kyle Shanahan we're talking about. If he wants a guy, he's going to go get him. He's running the show at this point. I think it's pretty clear who's running everything. Um, and it's, I think, I think he's kind of made it very clear that they're looking for a quarterback this offseason. Right. Yeah, we saw the scouting reports earlier this season of them obviously going out and watching a Zach Wilson game and uh, a few other prospects. But, um, yeah, I just want to know your opinion on on train up or down. Yeah, it just it's just it's going to depend. Like you have like <clears throat> right now, they're picking twelfth. Um, I think the highest they can get is seven. You know, if uh, they finish five eleven, four still. It's four. It's still four. It's, it's still okay. four. So you know, it's going to require some teams to to win in front of them. You know, does Atlanta win two games? Do the Lions win a couple games? <clears throat> and um, Cincinnati win a game here or two? I mean, they're they're beating <laughs> the Steelers. You know, um, it's 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 possible. But I, I would I would probably bet the Niners are going to pick anywhere between eight and twelve yeah. right now. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> sorry. Um, so looking at the draft, take a thought on here. Um, they need Carolina and Atlanta at least win one game. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas and Eagles have to face each other. So. I prefer I I prefer the Dallas I prefer Dallas to win that one because Eagles don't need a quarterback. Dallas does. Um, L.A. Chargers, Giants, and Detroit still have to win at least one game, and that Cowboys and Eagles games will affect the Niners' uh, um, SOS strength of schedule. So, so either way. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I yeah, didn't go ahead. No, I was just saying, I mean, the Niners are the Niners are in position to to kind of they can they 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 control they they're in position to kind of control the early part of the draft because they do have assets to move. They can they can use mm-hmm. future picks if they need to. I, I just I'm not of the the mentality that oh you can't take a rookie quarterback. No, you should definitely take a rookie quarterback. <laughs> it is a cost controlled thing. Um this team is up against it with the cap. Um, they're going to need to make some tough decisions on some of these guys. And there's going to be some guys who are just naturally going to fall off the, off the salary anyways, Sermon, Coleman, McKinnon, guys like that. So, you you know, you're going to see a roster turnover anyways, about 30, 35%. So, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. I'm not too worried about it. <clears throat> so yeah. are you going to be one of those people that, you know, kind of wanting the Niners to keep climbing up the draft board? Not, not, not to say like you know I want them to tank, but mm-hmm. at least at least they'll be competitive, but still lose. Yeah, I mean I think we're getting a competitive product now. You know, right. based on what we're seeing the last couple of weeks, you know Nick Mullins is keeping this team afloat. Um, Kyle Shanahan is keeping this team afloat. They've they've been competitive in all the games. The Washington game, obviously this past week against the Cowboys. You know you go down fourteen nothing, you come back, you tie at twenty four twenty four, and then and then your quarterback implodes because. He is who he is. The Buffalo game, I had a feeling that we could run the ball against them, but but then again, it like I thought about it after I did my show. I was like, wait a second, why did I say that? We don't have a quarterback that is going to threaten them vertically anyway. So now they're just gonna play the run and sit like they've been sitting all season. That was my biggest concern going into this season, uh, with the quarterbacks on this roster. Um, that none of them can 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 
throw the ball outside the numbers consistently or throw the ball past 15 yards consistently. So now what are you seeing with defenses? They're going to sit, put seven, eight-man fronts in front of you. They're going to play the run and dare you to throw, and that's the problem now with this offense. Now, it does help to have George Kittle. George Kittle kind of makes the threat of the pass there, but he's also one of the best blockers in football. So the run game would get going a little bit better. And you get a little bit more pass production out of this offense. Um, but to answer your question, Zach, no, I'm not, I'm not in the, in the, I'm not in the tank, you know, thing. I think these guys play their ass off. and I think they're going to play regardless. Um, but at the same time, I'm at the same time. I go back to 2016, Colin Kaepernick wins that game against the Rams. You know, they were one in 14, one in, yeah, they're one and fourteen. They're one and fourteen going into that game. They win that game. They go to two and fourteen, and they go from pick one to pick two. That pick ended up being Miles Garrett at one, and the Niners take Solomon Thomas at three. Had they not won that game, they would have had the number one pick and Miles Garrett. Um, so you, you know, you you gotta just at this point, the Niners are looking to the future. This team, when healthy, is a dominant team, and that's not even. That's that's with some of these free agents lost because you still have your core. Your core still exists. You have Fred Warner. You have Nick Bosa. You have Eric Armstead. You have Javon Kinlaw. So your defensive core is there. Jimmy Ward, underrated player. I know I gave him a lot of shit, but he's a safe safety. He does his job well. Um, and then of course, you know what do you do with the corners? You bring back Mosley. Bring back Verrett. So you're you're fine there. Um, you got to get yourself another edge rusher. And then on offense, your core is there. You have Debo. You have Ayuk. You have Mostert. You have Kittle. You have Trent Williams if you bring him back on a on a reasonable deal. I think they're going to. For all the shit Mike McGlinchy sets says, or for all the stuff McGlinchy takes, he's still going to be a guy who's going to be around for the next three, four, five years. You're not just going to let the guy walk out the door because he is a really good run blocker. We all know his liability and pass blocking. Get yourself a center. Figure out your quarterback situation. The core is here. You know, everyone else is kind of supplemental. Like, yeah, you know, cool. We have this you know, third round safety that comes off the bench every once in a while to play a couple of snaps. Like, no, you, you really teams have 35 guys that are like really, really matter. The rest are just there for depth purposes. So I think the Niners have the, the, the core in place to be successful next year. Well, I mean, the versatility of the defense as well. I mean, we saw in their dime uh, packages last game, uh, Sherman played safety, I think twice. And I, I don't think they even really tested it all that much. Uh, over those two times. Um, so I think the versatility is something that we've also kind of paid up for and uh, put a lot of stock into as well. Yeah. Team versatility all, all the way around. You have multiple guys on the defensive line who play uh, defensive end, defensive tackle, one technique, three techniques. Like you have guys who right. rotate all throughout the defense. Then you have your two linebackers who, who are not interchangeable, but they can both play the run and the pass that, you know, that helps you out there. Then you bring in Marcel Harris if you need him as a Sam linebacker sometimes. Mark Nazacha plays the Sam linebacker position very well. So you have some position versatility. And then Jimmy Ward can play free or strong. You put Tavares Moore out there free or strong. So you have you have your positional flexibility. And then, you know, with this secondary group, you know, trying to hide, mask Sherman's deficiencies right now with putting him at the safety role. It's, you know, it's helping him out. And then, um, you know, Akella Witherspoon played his ass off on Sunday. So there's... The defense is fine. It's just a matter of what happens next year. If Salah is gone, who do you bring in? And what are they going to run in the secondary? I think they're still going to keep the 4-3 concept. Are they going to go away from the single high? Are they going to go back? Are they going to go more to a, a split safety look? And Jordan, yes, 
go to a split safety look, please. Um, it, it is much better for this defense. Yeah, so real quick, I agree with, like, 100%. Like, I'm so sick of seeing cover three. Like, I'm over it. Like, please, like, never again. I understand. Uh, I was watching Leo's stream earlier. He made a good point because I was saying, like, they should start running some Tampa, too. Like, I think especially with the personnel they have now, it would look way better. Um, I think that uh, he made a good point that it does limit some of the aggressiveness that uh, Fred Warner can take because he is responsible for dropping into that middle third, kind of. But I think they're at a point where they definitely are in a good position on defense for what it's worth with the numbers. They're still top five in uh, rush, rushing EPA allowed per play, which is a good um, you know measuring stick for how a defense is performing against the run or the pass. Their drop back EPA really has been kind of just league average, which is actually incredible when you think about the fact that they're without Bosa. They've been without D Ford. They've had so many injuries on that D line, and they're still kind of like hanging in the middle of the pack. Um, we saw last year they were far and away the best uh, when it came to drop back EPA per play. And I think that the fact that they've consistently remained steady against the run is a big improvement because last year they were good against the run, but that definitely was the weakness, especially when they came out in that wide nine alignment. Um, so as much as I do love that, I would love for them to kind of go back to more of a conventional four, three and uh, find a way to, you know, they can use that wide nine on the obvious passing downs and they can use it on the, you know, third and eights, third and nines, whatever. But they, I, I'm so sick of watching them get gashed because the defensive ends are getting upfield so quick. Cause we know, um, Coach K is doing a good job coaching these guys, getting them to get upfield so quickly, but it's also kind of their Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. uh, but Javier makes some really good points. Like the defense is really in a good position to like, it, it's going to be a very um, ideal landing spot for anybody who may be a potential defensive coordinator wanting to come in. They're not going to have to go through a rebuild. They're not going to have to deal with a bunch of guys who are scrubs, you know, to put it plainly, they have yeah. guys in place who can get the job done. So I think that it's definitely just a matter of getting healthy more so than, you know, a complete overhaul. Um, even if there is a scheme change, I think Javier hit the nail on the head. It's going to probably stay a 4-3. I don't see them going to a 3-4 because Nick Bosa, um, who's yeah. basically the centerpiece of that defense, he's not a stand-up rusher. I don't. I think that would limit his abilities. Um, but it would be nice to see. I'd even take a cover four at this point. Like Just anything that gets two, two safeties um, split up top, I'm sick of seeing single high. Yeah, we don't have the – I mean, Jimmy Ward is fine, but we don't have the rangy safety to do what Earl Thomas used to do. You know, the Legion of Boom was Legion of Boom because Earl Thomas was a humongous factor in that. And then you have – long rangy corners and we don't have that right now um so you know if akella witherspoon stays leo stop um if <laughs> witherspoon stays that was a guy that i like to see get more run in this defense and maybe sherm you know kyle can you know get him out of the doghouse or whatever the hell happened there um let akella play like he's not terrible he just happens to have a lapse at the last second he's always in the right coverage like he's never like confused like he's going to lock his guy down it's just when the ball is in the air he either misplays it or he just he freezes for a second. Um, but something that Jordan said that I really I I thought I was the only one who kind of thought this, but this wide nine, I want to I want this to go away. This wide nine needs to go away. Why? Because you're getting upfield so fast, and then everyone's bitching about oh we can't stop running quarterbacks. Why? Because your wide nine is like that. It's that's allowing so many rushing lanes for your quarterback, for running backs on the delays and the draws. It's just. It's it's cool in theory, and it's cool to have every once in a while. But the way they use it, it's it's excessive at some at some points. Last year, it was getting them gashed, and you know you saw towards the end of the year, Nick Bosa would kind of hesitate on his rush to kind of keep the guy contained. If you go back and watch um, the Rams game, the second Arizona game, even in the Seattle game uh, Sunday Night Football, he kind of slowed his rush down, and it kind of kept Russell Wilson inside the pocket 
Um, and that's you saw that week one too. Bosa was doing that again. Like he they he Bosa made the adjustment. D Ford wasn't making that adjustment. Eric Armstead wasn't, but Bosa is he's an elite run, he's an elite defender, period. So he's gonna make he's smart enough to recognize, wait a second, let me slow this down, get my hand on this tackle, shed this block, and make sure I'm aligned with the quarterback or whoever it is in the backfield. Um, this wide nine needs to go away. I didn't like it in Philadelphia. I remember watching it when I was a kid. I didn't think it was that great. You know, Washburn is the, the guy who created the wide nine. They got gashed in the run game all the time. And the Niners need to kind of move away from that as well. Just go back to a more traditional 4-3, like Jordan said. I think they have the guys to run it. And in, in that case, you wouldn't need an extra, like, D Ford. You would need just a regular old carry hider, maybe a, a, fast, a little bit faster carry hider, and you're going to have this pretty much the same results. Sorry, I'm ranting. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. And that's one thing for me. Like, it's great because, and it, I think it was in a very attract, like, it was an attractive destination for a guy like a D Ford or for, you know, a carry hider to come in cheap because they know they're going to pin their ears back. They're going to be able to get upfield. They like working with somebody like Coach K, but like, ultimately, they can still get those same results without sacrificing what they were in the run game. And I think that goes such a long way when you're looking at just building a team from a whole, you know, when you get outside the D line, like the rest of the defense is suffering because these guys are sitting back in coverage and you're creating such a big gap between the secondary and those guys getting upfield. And you're playing, you have to look at it this way too. You're playing in a division with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. And as bad as Jared Goff is sometimes, he's definitely not, you know, a statue. Like he can move too. So you're playing these guys six times a year minimum on top of the influx of quarterbacks coming in the league that are mobile. And it's just put them at a disadvantage. Like last year, I think they got by because the D-line was so good that they were getting home enough. But that's kind of why there was this whole um, issue about, you know, mobile quarterbacks. And people I've seen this year saying, well, they don't have the same issue this year. Well, the difference is, is that they don't have the guys that are so – like, you know, Bosa and Ford aren't getting upfield because they're not playing. So they're kind of having to play that more traditional um, approach from the D-line. So I would, I would like, like I said, I don't want to scrap it all together, but I'd like to see it maybe three or four times a game in like a situational yeah. um, pass rushing situation. Like one of the things I think solid didn't like, I know he's finally getting some credit this year and people are very high on him. They're talking about him getting a head coaching job. He's done such a better job disguising some of these nickel blitzes and some of these coverages where he's lining up a bunch of guys around the box at the line of scrimmage and it's throwing defenses off because last year, I think their biggest strength ultimately ended up being their downfall in the end, which is very ironic. That D-line was so good that they could rush four and drop seven almost every time. And KC came into that Super Bowl with that Wasp play, knowing that if they really needed to, they had a play that they thought they could exploit that single high coverage, knowing that they were dropping seven. And they, it, they were, they were just, it was so predictable, ultimately. And I think that that really yeah. became their downfall. And I think this year, due to the lack of personnel, Salah has been forced to be a little bit less predictable and kind of go deeper into his bag. And he's done a phenomenal job doing it, in my opinion. I'd, I'd kind of just like to see that on a more consistent basis going forward. So that begs the question, um, actually technically two, who do you want as defense coordinator and who do you realistically see as defense coordinator next year for this team? Um, as a one, I think the guys on staff, I think it's, I think it's D'Amico Ryan's, um, you know, he's a guy who's, he has the ambition to be a defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's ready. You know, he hasn't called, he hasn't called the game. He's not responsible for anything, but the linebacker room. So I don't know what's going on behind, behind the, the scenes with him. Um, the other guy who came up, Raheem Morris would be another guy that would, would fit. So those two guys would be the two. I'm not here for Wade Phillips. I'm not here for Vic Fangio. 
I, you know, Vic, I don't think Vic Phoenix would come back to SF the way it ended. Um, however, if Kyle Shanahan was like, hey, look, you know, this is a different, you know, regime. This is a whole bunch of different stuff. But I don't I don't know if I want to see a three, four defense here. You know, we don't have the guys for that. And can Vic run a four or three? I think he can. I mean, it's Vic Fangio. He's one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time. So maybe um, Rod Marinelli. No, I, I just think I think those two, D'Amico Ryan, because he's already in house and and or Raheem Morris. I, I think those two would probably be the best options uh, for the 49ers. I think real quick too, I think Javier made a really good point about how the 49ers don't like they're they're so intent on running that cover three that Seattle ran for so long and they just don't have the same personnel. So I hope whatever they do make a change to, even if it is in-house, they kind of chart their own path. And they, you know, I think that there's a lot of great concepts and there's a lot of great coverage that does come from that, but they need to understand that they're not like that was one of the best secondaries of all time. And it's just yeah. you can't just recreate it no matter how you know closely Sala worked with them. If, you know, I know people have floated out Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn and these guys to come in. It's just, I, I would like to see something new. I don't want to see them try to recreate um, uh, the Legion of Boom because they just, they don't have the personnel to run it. Like as, as much as you want to credit the coaches, you need the players and the players really made that scheme work. There's a reason why we've only seen one team have tremendous success with it. And, you know, last year, as great as the defense was, so much of that was the D line. It wasn't really you know, anything that I would say that the secondary was the driving force behind it. They certainly weren't awful, but you take away the strong D line and, you know, you're, you're kind of sacrificing um, some flexibility with the secondary. Cause you don't have guy like, you know, you're, the, the football teams cost money. I hate to be that simple. Like, you know, there's only so much room in the cap and when you're putting that much resource towards a D line, you're going to take some, you know, you're going to take some guys on a discount on the back end. You're going to kind of, mm -hmm. you're not going to get some plus players on that at that rate. So I definitely would love to see somebody. I'm with Javi though. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's for me, if he's ready, uh, would be definitely somebody that I'm. I would be on board with. It's really a bummer if it was a year sooner. I would have said Joe Woods with total confidence. Oh, I yeah. think he's been doing a tremendous job in Cleveland, given you know that the fact that outside it's kind of a similar situation, except they don't have a good linebacking core. Their D line's pretty good, but their secondary is just not you know awful. And the Browns are a playoff team. Like they, they've they've had a complete turnaround over there. So Joe Woods would have been ideal. Um, but I, I totally agree with Javi. I think Ryan's or Raheem Morris, somebody like that would be really good where they kind of are on the same page um, from a philosophy standpoint, but they're not going to just try to mimic exactly what Seattle is doing. Like I'm, I'm sick of seeing it. Like, please give me two safeties over the top. Give me some cover two. give me some cover four. I'm so sick of seeing a guy isolated, getting burned over the top. Like I'm, I'm done with it. I was so hyped last year when Joe Woods came here. I knew that our secondary, our secondary, we improved just, just like that. And I was and I was devastated when he left, but I it's, it's understandable though because he he did got a promotion and everything. So and like you said, Jordan Browns were our playoff team. They're ten what ten and three now. So yeah, I think Browns actually have a good chance in the playoffs this year. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just the same old Browns. No, it's this is a different team this year. I really think they could do some damage to the AFC. Also, I also think the Dolphins and probably the Colts could do some damage as well. So I like to see different teams in the playoffs every year. I'm tired of seeing the same old teams every year in and out. It's just it's just very nice to see different teams. Get are in. you saying you are you saying you don't want to see the 49ers in the playoffs every year? That, can we get that on record? So no 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 no. My team I like I like my <laughs> team in the playoffs every year. 
I like but my like, team, but not your team. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> but it's like the Patriots. You have the Seahawks. Seahawks, they're almost in it every single year. But again, it's just nice to see a different team get in once in a while. Plus, Seahawks are always a good team because of Russell Wilson. Nothing else, really. Yeah, no, the Browns are Brown. I think the Browns are. I think the Browns are for real. I don't think they're going to make a deep playoff run, but they're going to. They're going to. You know, they're going to make some noise. They'll. They'll be a tough out. Um, just one thing. Last thing on the defense. It's. I. I think. I don't know how much the scheme really matters if you don't have playmakers, and I. I think. The Niners last year had a whole bunch of playmakers, so I don't really think the scheme really mattered. You know, your four front, your front four was absolutely loaded. You have all pro linebackers with with Quan and Fred. You just make out there making plays. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not. Offensively, you can scheme things up. Defensively, I don't think you're really scheming anything up. You have, you call what you call. It is what it is, and you you got you need guys to go out there and make plays, and that's why they made plays last year. Yeah. So you know, I, I getting Morris or or Demico Ryan in there would be great, um, but I they just gotta they gotta get away from that wide nine as as much as they do and the cover three single high stuff. They gotta go back. I, I think we're seeing the I think we're seeing the change in this defense though. Last couple of weeks, a lot of cover four, um, a lot of man. You know, there's been the split safety cover two look, some Tampa two in there. I, I think they're making the transition, getting ready for next season. I love man coverage. I, that was the one thing I didn't like about Sala when he first came to uh, 2017 because they mainly, they mainly ran zone all the time. It, you hardly ever had man coverage. Then you had Joe Woods come in here last year, and they ran a lot more man coverage than they normally did, and it was it was effective for a while. Um, I think I, I agree with you, Javi. I think um, – they need to start going forward to more man coverage than zone because it's, it's honestly easier to find the hot spots in the zone coverages than it is with man coverage. So, yeah. Yeah, but you kind of you need good personnel to run man coverage. There's a reason they weren't running zone just for the sake of like running zone, and like it was because it was the best fit for their you know the personnel they had. You know, you need good, especially at the NFL level, you need good DBs to play man consistently which is why you've seen certain teams that have had really good success with it. They don't let those players leave. Um, you know, it's hard to find a guy that can just stick and play man and, you know, shit like the 49ers don't have a cornerback who can shadow another team's number one, which is probably a big reason why you see number ones putting up such big numbers. Like they, they can kind of just move around the defense and line up outside in the slot, whatever. Um, I think that ultimately that's something we'll need to address. You know, I kind of wanted to hear Javi's thoughts. I obviously am with him. I want a new quarterback. I don't care. I want three new quarterbacks. It's not just about Jimmy. It's about the entire room. Get them all out. You know what? Send them on their way. Have thank you for the memories. Like, see you later. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I, hypothetically, let's say they do get somebody like a Matt Stafford, which I would be a hundred percent on board with. And they decide, you know, maybe let's try to instead of taking a QB early to sit behind them, they're like, let's you know take somebody that's gonna add another um, you know element to another position group now. I personally am on board with somebody like a Russo from Miami. Um, I like Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. Is there somebody that's not a quarterback that you would like to see them take with that pick if they secure a veteran quarterback um, with a future first or something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely go corner. I would definitely go corner. Jace Horn out of Southern South Carolina. I would look at Jason Away out of Penn State, the, the edge rusher. I would look at another linebacker. You know, you can never have enough linebackers. What if – what if Michael Parsons falls to 11 
and the Niners have acquired Matthew Stafford. I would I would pair Fred Warner with Micah Parsons so goddamn fast it wouldn't your head would spin. Um, but I would also look at you know if Panay Sewell is there and you couldn't resign Trent Williams. Okay, Panay Sewell, you're in here. You know, um, the other the other I think the those are the and you know the safety group. You're not taking a safety that early. You're not taking. You're not taking an offensive guard that early. You're not going to take a wide receiver that early in this group. You know, could the Niners use Jamar Chase? I don't know. You know, would would you want to have him? I guess. But at some point, too many offensive weapons becomes a problem, and you've seen that in in Cleveland when they have too many guys. You kind of you the quarterback feels pressure to force the ball to one guy, and you have a package specific to one guy, and then if it's not there, you got to look off, and it makes a whole bunch of mess. That's why you think I think Cleveland has been much more successful. Without Odell, Odell is a great player, but sometimes too much is too much, and you saw that with a bunch of teams who've done that. Um, but yeah, I would if if the Niners were to acquire Matthew Stafford, and if they use the twenty twenty two first round pick, perfect because it most likely that twenty twenty two first round pick with Matthew Stafford in twenty twenty one is going to be really high anyway. So you're looking at, you know, let's say the Niners get into the playoffs, you're looking at pick twenty to thirty two if they win the Super Bowl. Cool, I give a pick twenty eight for Matthew Stafford. Okay, whatever. Like that's that's the problem with 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 NFL Twitter and with fan. Like I'm I'm a fan too. Let me get let's be let's be very clear here. Um, the people don't understand the values of certain things because of video games, because of uh, fantasy football. It is what it is. Like guys go for a certain price. So if Matthew Stafford is available for a 2022 first round pick, I'm looking at that 49ers roster for 2021 as a playoff team. So that means that pick is going to be in the 20s. So yeah, of course you give up that pick, and then you use your twenty twenty, you use your twenty twenty one first round pick for whatever it is you need to get. Um, so that's how I would view it. Would you be comfortable with them trading for Stafford or a veteran quarterback, and then also drafting a QB at yeah, one? Absolutely, I would do that too, because you know taking Stafford doesn't doesn't prevent you from looking at a quarterback of the future either. You know, if you right. want if you want to go ahead and pull the Aaron Rodgers model, you got Stafford there, and you let the rookie sit for two years and you mold him and then you can flip Stafford for whatever you want to flip him for down the road. Or, you know, even with Stafford, it doesn't prevent you from going to get the guy two years from now either. You know, it's just, you know, people are so attached to Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, this is a business. The the Niners aren't attached to him. Neither should you shouldn't be either. Like they're willing, like if they're willing to part ways with guys like Frank Gore, you know, and let him walk out the door, what makes you think they give a shit about Jimmy Garoppolo? (laughs) They're here for, to win Super Bowls and win Super Bowls only and make money. Right. Um, that's why I, I like, I love, I like covering the team and talking about it all the time, but I've, I've kind of lost my fandom a little bit. I don't even get fanatical anymore. It's like, it's not even about wins and losses for me anymore. It's about how are they going to sustain success, success. So like this season, once, once week seven happened, I was like, all right, what are we looking at in the draft? That's just where I'm at. <laughs> Give me a yeah. second. Keep going guys. I'll be right back. I think I'm kind of in that same boat with uh Javi just cause I'm being realistic and looking at it as a business, you know? or the 49ers need to do certain moves and certain things for the roster just for the future. But I'm also like, just like that 5% of me is just like, Oh my God, we just got rid of this guy. Like what the heck, man? Cause that, that's exactly what my reaction was when we got rid of Buckner. I was literally at work. I was, I work at a bank. So I was like in the back at the vault getting money. And then I just get this notification on my phone that said that we traded Buckner away for like a first. I was like, Oh my gosh, but at least we got first, but oh my gosh, <laughs> it was just like a mixture of emotions. And I just didn't even know what to do. But uh, after like 
15 minutes of crying in the back, I, you know, kind of understood the the reasoning of getting rid of him and, uh, you know, signing Armstead, which, I mean, we just saw, you know, get a two-set game. So, I mean, there's the upside there. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but we—he's gone. He's—he's not on the team anymore. We don't talk about him. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, Armstead definitely had his best game of a year yesterday. Um, two tackle for losses, two sacks. Um, I think four QB hits or something like that. Yeah, it was like eight tackles. Yeah, yeah that's that's insane. It, it, I I I haven't been an Armstead fan all year, and I wanted. Buckner here instead of Armstead, but it does make sense because the contract and <clears throat> how the how they're front loaded and back loaded and everything like that. So financially, it makes sense. Um, I Armstead doesn't have the edge presence anymore this year either, and without Bosa there, and it's kind of hard. And plus, he's like Tommy, you uh you mentioned at least several times before that he's playing out of position and it, that doesn't, that does make your job a little bit harder if you're not playing your position that you are best at. Well, so, fun, fun fact real quick. <laughs> Armstead had both of the sack or he had one sack on the edge and the other sack on the inside. So I don't even know if that's really an excuse anymore. It's just, <laughs> but we, we made the same excuses for uh, Solly too. He was playing out of position almost all his career. <clears throat> and I get the slack for him. I really do. Um, I will, the one year when his sister uh, committed suicide, that's the one year I'll give him a pass because that, that does mess, mess you up mentally and it will affect your work no matter, no matter uh, what you say or do. So that year, total pass. Um, the year after that, it's, he was a rotational death piece. That's all he was. He's not the number three overall pick. That it's not his fault that he got drafted number one, the number three overall pick, like Jordan said before, like two weeks ago. But if you're going to draft that high of a pick, and you look at you look at the draft class in the first round, almost all those players like either all pro or pro bowlers, and one is the MVP, the Super Bowl MVP. So you look at that and like, you know, you pass up all these players to bank on getting Kirk Cousins the next year. So it's, you know, it is what it is, I guess. It's, it's in the past. Yeah, you know, with, with well, that 2017, no, you're good. With that 2017 draft, you know, with Solomon Thomas, I, it's not his fault he selected third. However, they should have, they, they should have been, they should have done more due diligence than, oh, well, John Lynch and I have a class together. Whether that's true or not, but that's just not a reason to draft a guy. So I met Solomon Thomas, very nice guy, humongous person, cool. As a defensive tackle, he's a very stiff defensive tackle. So asking him to play on the edge is not going to work. And even on the inside, he just wasn't going to excel. He's, he's a tweener. And I remember watching up into that draft process that everyone kept calling him a tweener, a tweener, a tweener. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what we need. We have a DeForest Buckner. We have an Eric Armstead. This guy's not an edge rusher. You know, the guy that I wanted, uh, you know, if I, if they were going to take an edge rusher was Derek Barnett. That was the guy that I would would have taken pretty much at any spot up, you know, up until pick 15. 
Um, Jamal Adams was available. Now Jamal Adams isn't what I thought he'd become. Um, <laughs> but I also wanted Deshaun Watson. You know, this I think the front office has learned from their mistakes in the draft process. They've made a lot better decisions with a Mike McGlinchey, with a Debo Samuel, with a Fred Warner. Obviously, Nick Bosa, that's a no-brainer pick, but you still get credit for the pick. Um, Ken Law, I think they identified him correctly. I knew he would be raw. I said beginning of the year he's going to be a two-down defensive tackle early on, and by the end of the year he's going to be a three-down defensive tackle. Um, and then, of course, the Brandon Ayuk thing. So I think they, they've 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 come a long way in their draft process. I know I missed what you guys are talking about, but I think I think I'm kind of in line with what you're saying. And then it kind of leads to the Kyle Shanahan thing. Can he find a quarterback? Uh, yeah, he can find a quarterback. I think Kirk Cousins is a success. He is a success. Why? Because he was picked in the fourth round. Like people need to understand that the, what the problem is, and this again goes back to me learning how to cover teams and how to do this kind of journalism, media, digital media thing. You got to look at you got to look at the production. Like the guy for a fourth round pick is a hit. That is a home run pick for what he is. Yes, is he is he flawless? No, he's flawed. He has his flaws, but. When you attach a certain player with his skill set to a certain coach, you're going to see really good results. So he had Jay Gruden. He had a really good year. He goes to Mike Zimmer. He's having pretty good success in, in Minnesota. Could you imagine what he would be with Kyle Shanahan? You know, and the, with Kyle Shanahan, the guys are like, well, he, he, drafted, he drafted Kirk. Kyle only coached him for three games. He only called plays for him for three games. Three games. That's all it was. And that's a common misconception. Kind of goes back to with the Stafford thing. Oh, he's always injured. Matthew Stafford has missed eight games since 2011. Eight. Eight games missed since 2011. And he played through a rib injury on Sunday. Like, the guys are tough ass. So, you know, when it comes to Kyle Shanahan in the quarterback room, you know, they're like, oh, well, he picked Nick Mullins. No, that was Rich Gangarello. Basically talked him into it. Kyle's on record speaking about that. That's something people miss. The Jimmy Garoppolo thing, if I ignored, I really, really ignored John Lynch's comments about Kyle was in mourning about not getting Kirk Cousins. I don't know if anyone remembers those comments. Yeah. But John kept he kept saying it and saying it. And then I found an article today. Somebody tagged me in it. And I was like, oh, there it is. And then um, with C.J. Beathard, he's a third-round pick. Like, no one's expecting a third-round pick quarterback to be – Something great. Like, name the last really good third-round quarterback. Russell Wilson, he's an anomaly, and he should have been a first-rounder anyways. The only reason he went third-round is because it was height. He showed everything everything in college to be a first-round pick. But, you know, when he was selected, no one wanted to take a chance on a 5'10", 5'11", quarterback. Now, if you got skills, you got skills. That's why I I I don't buy into the Twitter narrative. Oh, well, this kid plays at BYU, and this kid plays at North Dakota State. This kid plays at Wyoming. It does not matter. You scout the player, not the school. And with guys like Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, these guys make NFL level throws now. Imagine what they'll do in the NFL with the NFL coaching and NFL talent around them. That's how I attach these players, if that makes any sense. It, it's also like really annoying when people say, well, can Kyle adjust his uh, offense for Zach He's Wilson? He's doing it now. He's doing it now. Get RG3. He did. He adjusts everything for RG three. And look how RG three did in his rookie season. They went to the playoffs. Now, if you um, there's been there's been so many variations of the college Shanahan offense. It's not even funny. I, so many I, variations, and that's and, that's part of his evolution. That's what makes him so great. And you have the draft process. Like since 2017, 2017 and 2018 weren't 
great um, draft classes for the Niners, but he's gotten better evaluation and since 2019 and 2020. Now you look at the receivers he picked. 2017, he had Trent Taylor. 2018, he had Dante Pettis. Those two were not hits. Now you have Debo Samuel, 2019. You have Brandon Ayuk, 2020. He's doing better. He's doing his. He knows what he's doing. He's he's getting smarter. He knows how to evaluate players now. And I agree, Javier. Um, can Kyle evaluate QBs? Absolutely. Is it without a doubt? He can. Well, the problem too is like Javi made a good point is that people get like so hung up on some of the dumbest things like, oh, he took CJ, but he traded up to get CJ, but dude, he took him in the third round. Like the guy just saw a pro style quarterback that he thought, hey, maybe I can work with. There clearly were some physical traits that he liked. He has a good zip on his passes. He can throw a decent deep ball. He's just not a very good NFL quarterback. That's why you take him in the third round. If he traded up and took him at two or if he, you know, he he traded back at three and took him. Hell yeah. Then you get all over Kyle Shanahan. You say that was a stupid mistake. What were you thinking? But a third round pick. Like, like people are getting that upset over a third round pick. And the thing is with Kyle, uh, Kyle and Kirk Cousins is another one I see get thrown around. Kirk Cousins has posted phenomenal efficiency numbers. He's had a team this year that, you know, like I don't want to say he's been, you know, void of weapons because he had Stephon Diggs, he had Thielen and stuff. Dalvin Cook's a great running back. But you can see even without Stefanski, who we're seeing as a great play caller, like the guy makes throws. He could work very well within the offense that Kyle wants to run. And he's efficient with the football. He threatens defenses over the top in a way that no quarterback on the team is currently now. And, you know, I know people aren't super into numbers, but there's one of my favorite tweets is a guy took the predictive completion percentage over expected model that adds that and EPA per play. And he ran a formula on a hypothetical if Kirk Cousins was on the 49ers. He not only would be the most efficient quarterback in the league, he would literally be the most efficient quarterback of all time. And again, it's numbers. It's, you know, there's so much more that goes into it. But there's clearly a reason why. Kyle Shanahan wanted this guy and just like Hobby saying he was not happy that they ended up with Jimmy instead of Kirk like that was the plan all along and that's why I do give him a pass as somebody who did want Watson the plan was clearly to try to fill other holes get the quarterback next year and you figure it out from there and it's just it's it's insulting that people throw shade at this guy I'm not even him and I'm offended for him like this guy has made no offense to Nick Mullins I you know I love Nick Mullins I think that he's done a a fairly decent job considering he is an undrafted free agent who probably is the least physically gifted quarterback on an NFL roster right now like actually like like you could go through one through three one through two on all these teams like Mullins probably I'm not saying he's not he's the worst but physically gifted this guy's at the bottom of the list and Kyle Shanahan's out there scoring 20 points a week with him against NFL defenses. And people have the nerve to question this man's ability. Like it's, it's beside me, dude. Like I know people get bored and they get upset like irrationally when things are going wrong. We are so lucky to have Kyle Shanahan. And if we finally give him a chance to get the guy he wants, can you imagine how good this team will be for the next five to 10 years? Like it's, it's a no brainer for me. I don't understand why people are so like hard on him. to, To piggyback off that, you know, um, with Kyle, it's like, yeah, you didn't you didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo, but guess what? You got to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that is that is the the skill level of Kyle Shanahan. You know, we all, you know, I, I ignored it last year too. The whole let Jimmy throw, we dare him to throw, and I'm like, nah, we got it. Jimmy's fine. Blah blah blah. blah. And we, you know, we got there, cool. And then we get to this season, and defense just took advantage of it. There's some, you know, at at some point, Kyle can't scheme around every deficiency a quarterback has, and it's a miracle this offense works the way it works right now. Um, you know, these three quarterbacks in the room, I would say, honestly, I would probably just bring one back 
if they're going to go with a rookie, let him teach him the offense. And I'm not asking him to teach him how to throw a football. I'm asking him to, hey, look, this is a read progression. This is the coverage progression. This is how we do these things, yada, yada, yada. And if you go and if you have another veteran, say a Matthew Stafford or whatever, he Matthew Stafford is, is smart enough to run whatever the hell you want him to run. Like he's been in the league long enough. He's going to pick it up. Um, and he has the skills to overcome something he may not understand. You know, it's like, all right. Kyle wants me to go this way, but I have enough physical ability to go make a move out of the pocket and find someone else downfield. And Kyle's not going to be mad about that. Kyle has mentioned it plenty of times. He's looking for an offensive coordinator on the field. He wants somebody with the brain capacity to run his offense on the field. And that's, that's what we're lacking right now. And that's, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, get this guy quarterback, let John Lynch get the fuck out the way and let Kyle (laughs) Shannon get a quarterback. Like, let's let's go jed york you gave this guy an extension for a reason he got you to a super bowl um you know there was a number crazy crazy stat our guy at kosh put out um about jimmy garoppolo and i don't I, I, it's not a jimmy garoppolo spashing session but if he took out all of jimmy garoppolo's play action passes and screenplays he was 31st in total epa and 29th in success rate in 2019 that is bottom third in the NFL in in those categories. And that's not good. And I ignored it like the rest of us. But hey, his win-loss record is crazy though, right? So 23 games missed. 23 <laughs> games missed and 22 wins. No, and that's like what Javi said. Like, I'm a huge advocate for analytics. Anybody who follows me on Twitter sees I love talking about analytics. I love posting about analytics. But you have to look at the sample size that's being given and you have to look at the weeks involved the downs, all these things. And just like Javi said, when you start to filter out the play action, you start to filter out screens and all these things that are gimmies that will make your overall EPA a play and will make your completion percentage over expected. And all these things look really good when you look at the grand picture and you're kind of looking at it from, you know, an outside perspective, like somebody that may not watch the 49ers. Like if I don't watch the 49ers every week and you showed me Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers on a base, just completion percentage over expected at EPA per play chart, I'd be like, Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 10 quarterback. Why the hell is everybody getting so worked up over this guy? But when you actually watch him play and you see how much of what he does is because of his play caller, it makes it very easy to understand why people want to move on from him because you shouldn't be making that much money if you're that like, I hate to put it this way. People are like, oh, why does Kyle win with anybody else? Because Nick Mullins isn't a starter in this league. CJ Beathard isn't a starter in this league. There's plenty of other guys that you could have come in that could do what Jimmy's doing for literally a fraction of the price. And that's why if they're going to move on, I don't think they're going to do it just to have somebody come in that's cheaper. That's not, you know, a clear upgrade, but just like Javi's saying, when you're 31st in EPA per play, when you're not being handed things, like those are the quarterbacks that ultimately win Super Bowls. Those are like, those are the Russell Wilsons, the Patrick Mahomes and all these guys, you know, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys, like I get it. They don't grow on trees, but you kind of need somebody that's going to give you a shot when Kyle, like Kyle's a great play caller. He can't do everything for everyone. Like at a certain point, these guys are going to have to make plays on their own. And that's why it would be really nice to see them kind of make that switch to somebody that can create plays with their legs that can extend plays a little bit, that's not afraid to throw the ball down the field because it's just getting obnoxious at this point that it's it's it, it's so hard because I understand people got used to winning with the guy, but people need to start grading Shanahan on a curve. Like they need to understand that it's not just Jimmy that's making these guys win. It's the fact that Jimmy's the only starting caliber player they have at the position on the roster. So we'll see how it goes with that. But I, like that's that's a really good stat that sticks out to me because – Screen passes are great. Play action is great. It sets up so much stuff. But when you actually have to drop back and beat a defense with your arm and they know you're going to throw, like 
those are the guys that you want on your team. Like somebody that can't do that consistently, like eventually defenses are going to catch up. And it's very clear that's what happened this year. If you don't believe go watch the Seattle tape from this year. The guy was supposedly, you know, he was healthier than he'd been for most of the year after that ankle. Seattle was the worst ranked pass rush defense in their um, worst pass defense. And they had one of the worst pass rushes in the league at that point. And they put up seven points. They, they could not move the ball at all against him. And when he was dropping back and he had to throw, he couldn't get it done. So I'm, I'm totally with him. I think it's time to get somebody that can actually create on their own and is going to put up those great numbers, those great EPA numbers, those great completion percentage over expected, all these great things you get with a Kyle Shanahan offense, but it's also going to add something to it and not detract from it, which is basically what they've had on the roster. Yeah. Um, Sass always, I, I keep, I keep telling people this, um, Sass always don't tell the stories. I mean, you always look at like people always go straight to the, the stats, like, oh, hey, uh, this dude's a top 10 quarterback because look at these stats. Like, you got to watch the tape, man. You, I mean, you can have all the stats you want. You can have like the most passing yards, most passing yards in the league, most touchdowns, or whatever. You got to watch the tape because the stats don't always tell, you know, again, stats don't always tell the story. And you got and you got to understand like um, where his limitations are as, or like Jimmy, you got to know his limitations are. He can't throw the ball deep. I've been, I've been advocating that he could, because I've been watching you know training camp and everything. He actually threw some really good deep accurate balls down to like you know Pettis, Sanders, those those not Sanders but like Richard James, Trent Taylor, even even Trent Taylor. But again, he can't do it in a real game because there's so much pressure coming towards him, and he just stiffens up like a statue and just takes a sack. Just like, I mean, I'll give Mullins this. At least he'll try to move once in a while, but not, not, uh, not normally. He does. It's, the- it's just it's just getting to that point. It's like you know, there's just statues. You need a you need a playmaker to actually run, again. Like Jordan said, need a playmaker to run over the ball, make plays with his legs, and throw the ball deep down the field. My bad. My kids are screaming, so I have to <laughs> take care of those kids. Um, but, yeah, the main difference I've seen between Mullins and Jimmy especially um, is that Mullins just knows when, like, the pocket's collapsing and when to move out. And he may, he throws the ball away, which I don't think I've really ever seen Jimmy throw the ball away. He always just takes a sack. He always He's been doing that, like – spin tuck thing which i don't even know what that is anymore um but mullins just has i think more of an awareness than jimmy does at the moment at least um and he knows when to throw the ball away uh and just you know i think the more the more or the most thing that's in question now is just the um like ball coverage for mullins i mean we saw just uh last game he had like what two fumbles or one fumble at least um but i mean that was in question for jimmy last season even so i think if we traded for stafford drafted a rookie qb and maybe kept like bethard around or something or bethard around if we want to stick with three qbs on the roster um i i think i'd be okay with that um i was gonna say um yeah so i don't want Kyle Trask anywhere near his offense at all. I know people have been advocating for him. I was like, no, you don't. You don't want him. You don't want him. You don't. I don't like Matt Jones that well either. Um, 
I call them basically Jimmy G 2.0. It's just, just that's what they basically are. Mac Jones is a lot better than Kyle Trask, in my opinion. Um, Kyle Trask is probably like a third. I think Kyle Trask probably be like a third rounder in this draft. I don't think he's that great. Um, he struggled a lot whenever Kyle Pitts was out of the game. So if you struggle without your top receiver and can't do anything else, that kind of, you know, and that's not going to translate well in the NFL. So Mac Jones is like already surrounded by NFL talent. So he can force with whoever, because he had Javante Smith. He had, he had Jalen Waddle for Waddle for a while. And, um, I, I really think that it'll be Lawrence, uh, Fields, Wilson, then Lance. Uh, Fields has been kind of struggling a little bit, but I don't know how this one, I don't know how this one translate well, uh, into the NFL. Um, that could make an impact on the draft as well, especially with the Jets winning yesterday. That changes everything because now that, um, the Jags have the number one pick until, unless they win somehow, um, they're going to take Lawrence. And I, I think the Jets want to stick with Darnold. Give him a head coach. Darnold can make the throws. He could be, he can be a good quarterback. He just needs a better head coach and for, uh, that works better for him. Yeah. You know, this draft, this draft class, um, the quarterbacks, you know, um, one thing I do wish, I do wish Jimmy Garoppolo and like Nick Mullins were like merged into one human, you know, like, mm-hmm. like Jimmy is, Jimmy has some physical tools and Nick has the brain capacity. Like just, if they merge together, we might have a top 15 quarterback. Like if you just like, if they made it or whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but with this draft class, I, I, I think, I think the top four are set. I think it's Lawrence. Lawrence is a clear mile ahead of everybody. Like it's, it's Lawrence. And then there's a big gap and then you have, Fields and Wilson, and then you have a gap again with Lance, and then then you're getting into your Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, maybe a Desmond Ritter type of player. For this offense, you know, again, it goes back to how I view the quarterbacks with Kyle Shanahan and what they excel at. Like we're ready. Like if you're if you're watching Zach Wilson, they're running a whole bunch of Kansas City Chiefs offense and 49ers offense already. So you you know he can already run some of the stuff you're asking him to run. Uh, if you look at North Dakota State, they're doing the same thing. A lot of the Wiley concepts, a lot of play action, turn your backs to defense, get the ball out, um, a lot of shotgun. So those two guys kind of fit the best. Justin Fields, I'm not too worried about him. I think he's just it all it, that's one thing with these NFL quarterbacks. It depends on where you land. Like Sam Darnold has all the tools in the world, but where did he land? He landed on a bad team with a bad coach. Josh Rosen, he had all the tools in the world. He went to a bad team with a bad coach. He probably had a bad attitude, but he has talent or had talent. Um, if you're looking at the Cleveland Browns, if not for Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield's career is probably ruined because of the coach and the, and, and the culture that was set there. So those things matter. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, um, they designed a complete offense around him to, to utilize his strengths, to play to his strengths, and you got that. Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, allowed him to develop. They said, hey, Josh, you know what? We know we're not winning the Super Bowl in the next, in the next couple of years, but by year four, you should be in the MVP conversation. You, we should be in the Super Bowl or, or deep playoff runs. Like You have a playoff caliber quarterback. Josh Allen's probably playing the best football in the NFL right now, and no one's really talking about it. I think he's an excellent quarterback. I was wrong <clears throat> about him. Why? Because I was scouting with my 
with my heart, not my head <clears throat> with him. You know, I was like, ah, no way. 50, 54% completion percentage. That's not going to translate. It did. You got to let guys develop. Some guys just take a little bit longer, like with him. Um, <clears throat> and this draft class, you know, again, I'm looking at what Kyle Shanahan can do. Kyle Shanahan is making, you know, nothing out of something with Nick Mullins. If you give him a Justin Fields who people think is bad or who's struggling or whatever, okay, cool. Put him put him with Kyle Shanahan. He's going to make it easy for you. Easy throws, easy reads, and you can develop in that in that way. Um, you know, I'm I'm not in I was one of those people who were like, oh, well, Jimmy in the second year, he's gonna, he's gonna get better, he's gonna get better. And then talking to a scout or talking to a scout and a couple other players, like, no, man, you get um you get you get mentally better. You don't physically get better. Like your 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 talent doesn't just like skyrocket. You know, you're like Josh Allen had all the tools, but now he put it together mentally. That's just kind of how it is. And that's just where they are. So I, you know, if the Niners are going to go quarterback, it, it's probably Zach Wilson or Trey Lance would be my first two for this offense. Obviously, if you can get Trevor Lawrence and you get Trevor Lawrence, but uh, those two would be the ones. And then, and then a Mac Jones at the third one would be my, my suggestion there. And then Kyle Trask, you're just asking for another Jimmy Garoppolo situation. If that's the case, so you stick with Jimmy Garoppolo this year and you go looking into the draft next year. If anyone's out there <clears throat> who follows Twitter or anything, just go check out the QB collective. That'll tell you a lot about what Kyle Shanahan is looking in, looking at for a quarterback. Kyle Shanahan's agent runs the QB collective on Twitter. Um, you should see the quarterbacks that are on that list and how many the Niners are connected to. So can we expect a fourth and goal collaboration in off season? Yeah, for sure. We'll get something going. We got some things coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that'd be great. And again, thank you for uh, coming on the show, man. And really, really great. Uh, really appreciate you coming on today not a problem anytime you need anything let me know absolutely so no wrapping today guys <laughs> I know George upset, but you're you know. killing all the viewers man come on it's, it's like the three straight shows I mean, i'm sorry i'm i've been busy today I'm feels great baby <laughs>